Hello, and welcome to Global Supply Chain Week. I'm Jack Dalio with FreightWaves. Joining me today is Sam Saad, Vice President of Strategic Initiatives for Gaddock, the company that automates delivery for business-to-business short-haul logistics. Sam is also the co-founder of the Innovation Factory Center for Integrated Transportation and Mobility, which is a five-year program seeking to accelerate the development of connected and autonomous vehicle technologies. Sam, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Jack. Pleasure to be here. And um, I must say, working with Gaddock has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, being able to work with customers like Walmart, Loblaw, and help them automate their on-road transportation networks using our 11 and 26-foot autonomous box trucks, really enabling uh, e-commerce fulfillment in a very novel way uh, has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, so today's discussion will focus on middle and last mile automation and the benefits that those can bring to retailers. Uh, but first, Sam, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background and some of the things that you've been involved with over the years? Happy to. So quite a diverse background. I actually cut my teeth in logistics working for the United Nations uh, from about 2007 to about 2010, working in East Timor and Nepal, Afghanistan. And what we were doing is democratic institution building. Uh, which is a fancy way of saying we're helping those countries run free and fair elections uh, for the first time in many cases. And my job, uh, one of my jobs was to make sure that we're securing sites and then getting uh, ballots and other electoral materials securely from one location to another, then doing reverse logistics and getting those votes back to be counted. Uh, So it was a pretty interesting place to learn logistics. Uh, We definitely didn't have autonomous vehicles uh, in Afghanistan back in 2009, 2010. It was more uh, mules, helicopters, and then everything in between, jeeps, etc. From there, when I returned to Toronto, uh, where I live, Gaddock's based out of Mountain View, but uh, we have a big R&D center here in Toronto. When I returned to Toronto, I started my first uh, enterprise and really got the bug to get into the innovation ecosystem and to get into entrepreneurship. So skip ahead about a decade or so. I'd worked with about 400 different startups. I'd managed about a quarter billion dollars uh, of portfolio money to invest in companies. And I came across Gaddock. And about two months before my first kid was born, I decided it was a great opportunity to take a big risk uh, and jump into this burgeoning startup that was offering autonomous vehicles for middle mile logistics. That was two and a half years ago. Uh, the company has grown tremendously since, and it was one of the best professional decisions I've ever made. Yeah, so you've got a wide range of backgrounds, working with startups, uh, working with government agencies. Um, but I, I want to focus today's discussion on on some of your solutions for retail. Um, so before we get into automation, I want to first break down some of the issues that are kind of necessitating this technology. So when it comes to the middle and the final mile, what are the biggest challenges facing retailers today? Responsiveness, reliability, are, would say are the top two pain points that we hear from our customers. So let's break those down. Uh, Responsiveness. E-commerce has essentially meant that customers are expecting to access every single SKU in in our customers' inventory. uh, And they're expecting to get that not only two days from now or a day from now, but really within the same day, more and more so. So our customers need to develop a supply chain that's flexible, that's going to have that SKU count available, uh, and that's going to offer essentially not only omni-channel on the purchasing side of things, but also on the pickup side of things. If customers want to drive to a retail location to then pick up their uh, retail goods, or if they want to have it delivered to their front door, they want to be able to have that experience uh, in a single pane of glass where they can order whatever they like and have it delivered to them in any way that they like. The other piece is reliability. 
we know what's happening with drivers uh, today. Uh, there's a massive shortage. Uh, there's a lot of uh, turnover uh, in different driver pools. And at the end of the day, you need to make sure that if you have a transportation asset, if you have a vehicle, uh, that it, it, you're going to be able to utilize it um, when you need to utilize it to meet that responsive promise that you've made to your customer. So between those two areas, uh, you have a lot of push and pull, and uh, there's a lot of shifting requirements on how you're going to fulfill uh, or how you're going to enable a transportation network that allows e-commerce fulfillment to meet your customers' uh, expectations around choice and speed. Yeah. So given some of these challenges that retailers are facing, uh, what kinds of benefits can automating the middle and final mile bring to them? Well, they directly address uh, responsiveness and reliability. So let's let's talk about Gaddock a little bit. Let's paint a picture. Okay. Uh, so Gaddock automates uh, B2B short haul logistics. We connect distribution centers, micro fulfillment centers, uh, retail locations, these fixed infrastructure assets to one another, uh, utilizing autonomous vehicles. So our trucks, 11 to 26 foot box trucks, they can be refrigerated, they can be dock height, they can have lift gates, will essentially automate that on-road transportation network, enabling fulfillment to occur in one location, and then those goods to travel to a pickup location um, multiple times per day. So directly that addresses responsiveness because now SKU count can be kept in a centralized location and in a hub and spoke fashion, uh, orders can be fulfilled and then shipped out to the various retail locations uh, in within hours. The reliability piece is critical because once you have an autonomous vehicle working for you, you don't have to wait for a human to enable it. It's going to be ready to go. Uh, it's going to be ready to drive, never going to be tired or sick. It's not going to decide to have a career change and switch jobs on you. Um, it's going to be essentially there uh, and, again, reliable whenever you need it. Yeah. And, and Sam, I know that some of your autonomous vehicles are, are already on the road. Uh, and I want to talk about some of your partnerships with brands like Walmart and Loblaw. Um, can you tell me a bit about how some of those companies have benefited from automating their delivery networks with Gaddick? I can. I'm always a bit hesitant to speak uh, on behalf of our customers. So let me share with you my perspective, uh, not necessarily theirs. Um, these companies have benefited tremendously because uh, they've been able to set up these hub and spoke networks which if you kind of break it down, um, the old model uh, was about long haul, doing milk runs to brick and mortar locations and doing replenishment once or twice a week around some basic goods. If you think about the e-commerce model again, customers will have a disproportionate reaction if they can't find the item they're looking for in their digital basket. So what does that disproportionate reaction look like? If I'm filling a physical basket or a physical uh, cart uh, in a store and there's two items, say, missing from my list, I'm very unlikely to just leave that cart in the middle of the store and drive over to another retailer and start the shopping experience again. At most, I'll finish the shopping list and then I might make a stop on my way home to pick up those one or two items. But with a digital basket, you're more likely to just drop the whole basket, log into a different URL and start that shopping experience again. So customers may not only lose that sale, our customers may not only lose that sale, they also may lose their customer if this happens time and again. So if you're going to make sure that you have every SKU count available for e-com fulfillment, then you either need to run those class A trucks back and forth between the brick and mortar locations, if those retail locations are where you're fulfilling from, on a daily basis, which is cost prohibitive, 
or you need to shift the supply chain back to a micro-fulfillment center of sorts, where you have a centralized location that's not as far away as a distribution center would be. So it's closer to an urban center. It can fulfill for multiple spoke locations. And now what you're doing is you're utilizing light and medium duty trucks rather than heavy duty. That's our class three to class six vehicles with the 11 to 26 foot box trucks. And you're running them multiple times per day back and forth. That becomes cost prohibitive if you need to have a driver in the vehicle. So we enable that responsive and that reliable fulfillment network. And I will add that we'll also do so more safely. Uh, Our safety record is 100% to date. So that's another big value proposition that our customers are getting from working with us. And more and more, we also do so sustainably. Uh, We launched the first electric vehicles. uh, That was with Walmart uh, back in February of 20, last year, uh, February 2021, the first class two electric autonomous vehicles. And with multiple customers, uh, we'll be deploying a fleet of electric vehicles uh, in the coming year. So I'll break it down again. Uh, responsiveness and speed, reliability, cost savings, safety, and sustainability. Yeah. And so given the fact that you've taken the driver out of your vehicles, um, how do they know where they're going? Can you, can you break down a little bit about how, um, how you route these vehicles without a driver? Absolutely. So in short, we operate on known repeatable routes. That's our That's our path to commercialization. That's our path to offering and and delivering on the promise of autonomy uh, faster uh, than the competition. So our vehicles do not do dynamic driving. Certain things they do extraordinarily well, certain things they don't do. They don't do dynamic driving. They're not going to be able to deliver to every address within a geofenced area. When we're operating between known fixed routes, we essentially program into the vehicle what that route looks like, as well as alternative routes if there happen to be different choke point areas on the primary route. So for example, an on-ramp onto uh, a highway, uh, we operate urban, semi-urban and highway environments, an on-ramp onto a highway might be a choke point or a very uh, densely populated intersection. So then once the vehicle knows what route and the backup routes that it's operating on, then we have a remote uh, monitoring center that will initially dispatch the vehicle for the first pickup of the day. Then we hand over control to our customers. And when the vehicle arrives, it knows exactly where to park. It'll, of course, make sure there are no obstructions in the docking area or in the ground loading area. Uh, Our customers either use their handheld devices when we integrate directly into their warehouse management system or transportation management system, and or we have a weatherproofed um, touchscreen on the side of our vehicle. Once the vehicle is parked, they'll log in and say we're starting the loading process. They start the loading process. Once they're done, they'll confirm that the load is secure, lift gate is closed, etc. Then our remote monitoring center will do a check to ensure that everything was locked up, good to go. We're at temperature, for example, uh, and then they'll hit play and the vehicle will then drive itself to the next location. If the vehicle encounters an unexpected obstruction, then what it does is sends it sends a recommendation on a different path plan to our remote monitoring center. It's really important to note that we never do teleoperations on public roads. Uh, it's unsafe, and frankly, it's unnecessary. So all controls, all decision-making is on board the vehicle. The vehicle will send an alternate path plan to the remote monitoring center. The remote monitoring supervisor will review that and either approve or they'll send a new path plan. Once that arrives to the vehicle, the vehicle has an onboard map, of course, 
plus its sensor stack. We use a full suite, LiDAR, cameras, uh, GPS locators, radars, and we do so at a redundant level. So the vehicle will get the new path plan, and it'll know where to drive based on its HD map, plus its sensor stack perceiving what's around it. Yeah, so you really have this, um, for lack of a better comparison, kind of Doctor Strange-like ability to kind of anticipate all of these different realities that could happen on the road and, and plan for your trucks to, to avoid them. Um, and I also want to bring up something that you touched on when you were answering the last question I asked. Mind you, if, I, the, if I pause you there for one sec, Jack? Um, so you just mentioned Doctor Strange. When we initially deployed our vehicles, we gave them Avenger nicknames. So we do have a truck that's actually named Doctor Strange. Some of our first vehicles uh, were the Hulk, uh, Spider-Man, and several other characters. The fleet has grown enough now that we've, <laughs> we've gone past the Avengers name, uh, but it brings us back to you know, several years ago when we were initially deploying these vehicles. Just wanted to share that anecdote with you. Yeah, how about that? And, um, you know, I wanted to, uh, to also touch on something that you brought up when you were answering one of the other questions I asked you, which is the sustainability component of all this. Um, can you tell me a little bit about some of the, the benefits for retailers, um, not just in terms of convenience and speed, but also in terms of how they can they can boost their ESG initiatives? Yeah, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head with that latter comment. Uh, most of our customers have very ambitious and very laudable uh, sustainability goals. And one of the best ways to achieve those goals is, of course, through uh, their transportation system. Our customers are asking for electric vehicles today. Uh, some customers are asking for CNG, essentially a move away from diesel and certainly a move away from gasoline-powered vehicles. A lot of the customers that we work with, both the ones that we've announced, Loblaw at Walmart, and the ones that we haven't announced, have set targets of when they are going to remove uh, gas and diesel-powered vehicles from their fleet completely. And broadly speaking, those are coming up sooner than uh, sooner than most people think. They're coming up between 2025 and 2030, again, broadly speaking. So one of our jobs is to deploy vehicles today that are electric and autonomous. And we'll be announcing some partnerships in the coming months, uh, both with uh, companies that uh, create the powertrains uh, for electric propulsion and also companies uh, that uh, integrate the charging infrastructure uh, that enable the charging and ongoing operations of those vehicles. What I'll also note is the middle mile use case that we are automating is incredibly conducive to electrification. The reason being you can put a charger at the hub location or the pickup location. And while our customers' employees are loading the vehicle, they actually start the loading process by plugging in the vehicle. So we're getting a charge multiple times per day as we're connecting in this hub and spoke fashion. That essentially, that's different than long haul in that we're not trading payload for range. There isn't that range anxiety because we're getting those boosts multiple times per day. So our vehicle can essentially stay on road and stay operating about 22 hours a day. Yeah, yeah. And, and speaking of, of trends like electrification that are just starting to make their way into the mainstream, I want to get some of your thoughts on the future of the middle and the last mile. Do you have any predictions for what retailers' last and middle miles will look like in, say, five years' time? Yeah, the middle mile, actually, I'll speak about the last mile first. The last mile is, is still an open problem, uh, I think, both for retailers, broadly speaking, and certainly when you think about automation. So let's tackle it from an automation lens. I, as mentioned, I live in Toronto, and if I showed you what the weather looks like outside, it would be a perfect cliche of what most folks uh, perceive Toronto to be. It 
we just happened to get a bunch of snow over the last two days. Right now, I get my groceries, I get my pizza, I get my goods delivered to my door. I don't have to put on boots, a winter jacket, and sometimes gloves and a hat and winter pants to go out and essentially get to the curb, cross those 10 feet, pick up my goods from the curb, and then bring them inside my house. And even though it's really cool to have goods delivered in a robot, it's not innovation. If I need to do more work essentially than I'm doing today. That doesn't, that's not beneficial innovation at least. And that's doubly so for commercial buildings. That's doubly so for residential buildings where folks have to take an elevator uh, ride uh, before walking those 10 feet to the curb. So there's going to be a, there's a big gap there and a big problem to solve on last mile when you're looking at automation. Broadly speaking, uh, on the last mile piece, it's critical. Some customers uh, prefer to have goods delivered uh, directly to their front doors. and um, I think we're going to see, depends how, how far ahead we're projecting here, but we're going to see different strains of COVID last for a little while. And uh, thankfully, I think it's going to be uh, an ever smaller percentage of the population, but some folks for either COVID reasons or broader health reasons are going to need goods delivered to their front door. So that'll always be uh, a requirement as well. Now, speaking about the middle mile in automation, that is the, the most accessible and the most near-term part of the supply chain to automate. Uh, long haul is doing some really good work as well, uh, but it's not as um, not as ubiquitous, right? There, there's very clear lanes that you can operate on where you have enough density, you have enough traffic to operate those rigs. Uh, the middle mile, because we work on a route-by-route -route basis, we work very closely with our customers to understand what their emerging fulfillment needs are. I mentioned... Uh, e-commerce and hub and spoke quite a lot, but there are also inventory pooling use cases where you connect multiple stores to one another. So you can fulfill an order uh, from multiple shelves within retail locations. There's a reverse logistics and returns use case. There are multiple use cases that really benefit from thinking outside of the four walls of infrastructure and all of a sudden connecting all of the real estate that you have within a particular area by automating that on-road transportation network between them. Yeah. So it sounds like there's a bunch of innovation in the works and uh, it's going to be an exciting couple of years to pay attention to this space in the, in the last in the middle mile. Uh, and on that note, Sam, uh, I think we can go ahead and wrap up this conversation. It's been great having you on. And um, yeah, thank you for taking the time to, to join us for Global Supply Chain Week. Thanks, Jack. I